when I first came to Huron 22 years ago. Um, but David had already moved on. Uh, he went to North Central University, graduated from there, also got his master's from AGTS, spent 17 years as a children's pastor um, in three different churches. And the last one, I believe, was with Dan Betzer in Fort Myers, Florida. And so you can't really hang out with Dan Betzer without missions being in your blood. And you were here, so I'm guessing missions has just always been in your blood since inception, as well as it should be, because that's the whole point of why we come into the kingdom, to also take what we've been given and give it to others. And so, um, but in 1999, David and Mary moved to Springfield, Missouri, started working in our national office in the children's ministry department, has that department has seen lots of changes over the years, and I won't bore you with it, but he served in different roles in that department, BGMC director, and now is the co-director of the children's ministry department with a guy by the name of Mark Ensminger. Some of you might know him, and, uh, and so David and Mark are helping to instill in our children compassion, and vision that they can make a difference around the world. And so I know that you're going to be challenged. I know you're going to be blessed as he shares with us. He's going to um, share testimony. He's going to share the word. And so would you make him feel welcome as he comes? Welcome David Boyd to the platform. Thank you, Pastor. Yes, it is my joy and my privilege to be here in this church and um, to see reaching the lost. I was one of those lost that you reached. To see uh, equip the saints. I was uh, one of those kids that got equipped. Some of the stains on this carpet on the, are my tears that, uh, that, that where I cried and where I sought God and where leaders laid their hands upon me and believed God that something amazing could happen in this young man's life. And uh, the same is true with my brother. We were here and uh, had a couple sisters and a couple more brothers. And when that bus stopped, they were always glad to stop at our house because it filled up a quarter full just with one stop. And um, you guys may or may not know it, but winter in South Dakota is not the best place to start a bus. And uh, so... <clears throat> the bus driver would have to get here at 6.30 and get it started and have it shake like this for a long time before you would dare put it in gear because it doesn't want to move. And <clears throat> if they stopped at our house first, the bus was not warm yet. When we got back to the church, the bus was still not warm yet. But uh, <clears throat> I grew up in this church, and um, I was telling the pastor, I remember this is a missions church, I remember as a young person, 13, 14, 15, 16, raising money for Speed the Light. And um, <clears throat> missionary back then a lot, <clears throat> David Grant. And uh, so I know that I helped buy David Grant's, uh, 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 you know, Speed the Light car. In fact, I think I bought it all because I did a lot over those years. It was real easy. They gave you jobs like picking rocks out of farmers' fields for 10 hours. The youth pastor said that would be a wonderful job for me, and I have him to thank for it. Uh-huh, yeah. And, uh, and detasseling corn, again, 10 hours. By the time you're done, you have this stuff in your face and, and, uh, and, and all of that sort of thing. And um, 
my youth pastor's name was Dennis Frank. My brother's youth pastor's name was Steve Shibley. Maybe you've heard of him. He did okay coming here to this church as well. This church has a heritage of raising up godly leaders. I mean, if I stopped and listed, I can list 15 or 16 pastors that came out of this church that I know about just in my generation. Not the ones who came before, not the ones who came after, but this church, there's something about this place where people have committed themselves to impacting the world. Uh, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to write a book about Strong Enough to Last, about raising up kids who would live for God the rest of their life. And um, in this book, I describe this church the people of this church, how they took a bus kid and let him hear the call of God, let him te- taught him how to hear God's voice, taught him how to know the scriptures. Pastor, I have a copy for you if you'd come and take that, please. And I have several more copies that you can hand out to folks who might want it. Thank you. But uh, as I talk about that, I get to look back on my life. And uh, coming back here today, there's so many memories in this town not your typical ones. I, I, I can remember streets where we walked and we prayed. I can remember homes where we stopped when we were picking up kids. I can remember places where I, I led people to Jesus. All this stuff that was deposited into me. I feel such a blessing and such a, such a gift from you for having invested in me. And I'm so grateful. I want to tell you a little bit about BGMC, why we do it. I want to tell you a little bit about where it goes and how it helps our missionaries. And then I want to share a word that I feel like God has for us today. Is that all right with you? Well, BGMC um, has a twofold purpose, and it's to raise up a heart of compassion in our kids. And usually when I'm talking to kids, I'll ask them, how many of you are poor? And in a kid's church, every hand goes up because there's all, they all got something they didn't get right? That means they're poor. You know, can I have this? No, you can't. We're poor. We wouldn't, you know, that kind of stuff. But I then tell them what it's like to be poor around the world. One third of our kids live this way. And I use three things. I could use 10, but I use three things to help the kids. So number one, if you've never slept in a bed, you sleep on the ground, on the dirt, maybe a mat. You've never had a pillow. The pillow is your arm. You've never had a store-bought blanket. It's a piece of fabric, a piece of burlap, a piece of plastic, a piece of cardboard. One-third of our kids around the world, that's how they sleep every night. And there's something that happens when you start telling kids about this. They start to look at themselves slightly different. They start to feel like life isn't so bad. They start to realize that they have more than they thought. And then I tell them number two. Number two is you've never in your lifetime ever had one toy. And at this point, the kids always go, (gasps) I mean, they could do without their bed, (laughs) but not their toys. And you know here in America, even our poorest kids have lots of toys because people give them toys to make up for the fact and that sort of thing. But number three, I tell the kids, You know you're poor if mom has to decide which kid gets to eat today. Because you don't get to eat every day. You're always hungry. 
That's why there's no money for toys, because there's not enough money for food. That's why you don't have a bed, because there's not enough money for food. There's not enough money to buy a blanket. You're trying to keep your kids alive, because many, of, of, uh, many kids die. And that's the way it is. And when I start to tell our kids about this, down deep inside, there's this heart of compassion that says, God, you got to do something. And what that actually is called, it's called a prayer. See? They know who has the power, and they've been taught. And, but, but then for some, for some reason, without being asked, they start to say, God, you got to do something. And I, and, and I mean, sometimes it's late at night, that Sunday night after they've been there, or Wednesday night, and they're in their beds, and they're going, God, you got to do something. And the next morning, they're with mom, and mom's saying, hey, get ready for school. And they're saying, Mom, did you know there's people that won't eat today? Did you know there's, and it starts to, to percolate, the message percolates. And these kids start to look at pictures and say, I have it so much better than they do. And they start to pray, God, you have to do something. And then God answers them by saying, you can help. And suddenly the kids want to give. It always comes after praying. They want to give. And when they're youngsters, when they're five and six and seven, they'll walk around the sanctuary when COVID wasn't here, and they would uh, collect change, and then they'd go up to their mom or their dad and say, look what I did. And that was their work because they had walked around the room. And as they get a little older, like I did, there comes a point in time when youngsters are vacuuming houses and they're raking leaves and they're mowing lawns and they're shoveling snow because they're working to help make a difference. And that's what missions is all about. And that's why we want to have it go on to the next generation. Our second purpose is reaching the people of the world. We help our missionaries. It's, it's more and more difficult for missionaries to make it to the field. So a lot of them make it, but they don't have a lot of resources once they get there. Or sometimes things happen they weren't expecting and they suddenly need something else. But God is always there seemingly to use the funds your kids have given in amazing ways. Let me talk about a couple of these. First of all, go to, uh, to the next one. Let me see what picture I have up there. In Benin, they needed water. Water wells is something that our missionaries are doing all across Africa. They put them on the, on the, on the property of the church or the Bible school so that when kid, people come to get clean water, they're coming to the church. Can you imagine, Pastor, if outside in your parking lot, it, you know, it was Walmart was there and, and all the food was free, you know? It's like, come in here, only the, the grocery bags were in here. So you got to come in the church, get the grocery bag, go, you know, go into Walmart, get whatever you want. I mean, this place would be packed. Well, that's what happens when there's no water and you put a water well in there. It's like helps our missionaries spread the gospel. So they're here in Benin. The missionary has gone to this place and hired this company, and they're putting the water well in, and all of a sudden water comes out of the well. BGMC paid for this one, and the water comes spurting out of the ground, and the missionary's like, yay! And he looks over, and the guy in charge of the well is dancing a jig. And he runs down the street out of sight. And the missionary says, that's, that's kind of funny. We got fresh water. He didn't even stop to get a drink. And then he comes back dragging another African man with him. And he goes up and says, what, what's the deal? He says, he said, we hit water. And he said, I know we hit water. He said, there's no water here. 
And the missionary said, well, what do you mean? He said, oh, well, we, we've put in about 100 wells in this area and never hit water yet. And the missionary said, you didn't tell me that. And he said, I needed the money. So here's this well digger trying to dig for well, and he, they've already given up on this city, and uh, the government had hired them to get water in this city, and this, and this was the mayor he went to get to tell him there's water underneath the Bible school. And what happened was they hit a river. You see, most water is a lake. When you hit it, it's a reservoir. But between two reservoirs, there might be a river that goes 500 miles. But it's not as wide as this church. It's like 30 feet wide. And unless you hit the river, you'll never hit the water. And underneath the Bible school was a river. And they hit that, and they had so much water coming out. It was enough water for 25,000 people a day. And I thought, isn't it interesting that the children in America gave their money and God made sure that that well was put in exactly in the right spot? Because our missionaries are our heroes. They have given their lives. They are there. They're doing all they possibly can. Most of them have bars on their windows. Most of them, their kids have to be escorted to school because they could be, they could be stolen, kidnapped, it's dangerous being a missionary, and BGMC is there to help our missionaries lift their hands. This next one here has to do with goats. We had a call one time. Now it goes back about eight years, and they said, does BGMC buy goats? Well, we'd never been asked to buy goats before, but we buy whatever the missionary says they need. And the missionary said, I need goats. And I said, what's the story? And he said, well, in, in China, way up in the mountains, we found a Christian village where Christians who had been persecuted escaped by going up into the mountains where nobody would find them, but they were very poor. And when the missionary found them, he said, how can we help? And they said, give us goats. We have grass, we have water, but if we had goats, those goats will provide milk and cheese and butter and meat and clothing and leather and all these kinds of things. So... We bought one Romeo goat and 28 other goats. <laughs> and you know how that works. You're all farmers or you've been around farmers. So um, all of a sudden, the goats all started having triplets. Now, they can have triplets on occasion, but not all 23. God either blessed the, the ladies or he blessed the man or whatever, but the triplets started coming, you know. And the boats multiplied. About three years later... A disease hit that part of China, hoof and mouth disease, and all the animals started dying all over the land within a thousand miles. But then word spread that there was a village that hadn't lost a single goat. And word spread that there was a God in America strong enough to take care of his own goats. And they all started to travel to this mountain village to buy a goat and to hear the story of our great God who is powerful enough to take care of his own goat so he's powerful enough to take care of you too. They could have never dreamed that this church, would, this town would have become a hub for Christianity because God took care of his own goats. Isn't that amazing? Let me tell you one more before I continue on. Uh, in Malawi, um, the, uh, the, the missionaries that were there developed a very close relationship with the president of Malawi. He became a Christian. 
and he had one uh, f- frequency available to have a TV station, the first ever Assemblies of God TV station in the entire continent of Africa in Malawi, and he asked the Assemblies of God if they could put up a TV station. Well, as you can imagine, the missionary hadn't planned to build a TV station when he went to the field, so he didn't have any money for the TV station. So the word went out, and BGMC was asked, can you provide $28,000 for the tower and the transmitter for a TV station? And within a week, the answer was yes. Within two weeks, they had the money. And within six weeks, there was a transmitter and a tower on a container on its way to Africa. And the missionary was so excited. But meanwhile, there were people in Malawi who were not excited. They did not want a Christian TV station in Malawi. They wanted a Jehovah's Witness TV station in Oklahoma. They wanted a Mormon TV station. They wanted a Muhammad, a Muslim, and uh, you know all of these different groups started to protest. I can tell you what protests are like, but but you've probably seen them on occasion, so we'll just leave that alone. But but they started to protest and they started to say you're not fair, and so finally the president said, okay, 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 fine, we'll find a more fair way. They said. Everybody submit a request if you'd like to have a TV station. Well, 63 groups said, we want the TV station. So then they went through a screening process. Who could really do it? And they narrowed it down to like 21. And so then they had this giant caucus, 21 different groups in one room, and the president saying, you know, all right, start with you. If I say yes to you, how long before we can have a TV station? And the guy said, well, we're raising money. We could do this. We can have a TV station in three years. It's like that one TV show. The next guy says, we could have a TV station in 2.5 years. And the next group says, we could have a TV station in 1.9 years. And this is kind of how the thing went. And they get to the Assemblies of God pastor, and he says, now how soon could we have a TV station? And he said, well, that ship that just came in the harbor has our tower. We could have a TV station up in four weeks. And the president said, I've heard enough. And he gives it back to the assemblies of God. And that TV station went up all because God had a plan. And now as they're getting ready to put the TV station up in the center of town, so 80,000 people will be able to hear the gospel. Someone came up and said, you know, I really, I'd love to have that piece of property. And the missionary said, well, we bought this for our TV station. And he said, well, I've got some property on top of the mountain that I'd swap you. And now the TV station is on top of the mountain. And a quarter of a million people are now getting that signal, all because God had a plan. Our missionaries are our heroes. And they are there. And God has a plan. And he's the master chess piece master. And BGMC and your kids and Speed the Light and your kids, they're all part of God's plan to make reaching the world possible. And I'm here to say thank you so much for all that you do. Matthew chapter 24 is where I want to go today. It's not the funnest chapter in all the world. It's not the funnest chapter. I'm not going to read too much, and I'm just going to kind of highlight it until I get to the reason why I'm there. 
But as you know, in this chapter, the disciples, I don't know if they made the mistake of asking or if, uh, of course, it was probably designed by God, but they asked him, when will the end come? And, of course, Jesus answered and says, watch out that no one deceives you. Think about that word for a minute. Watch out that no one deceives you. It's talking about Christians in that moment because if you're not living for God, you're not going to be deceived to turn your back on God. So his very first words were, in the last days, Christians are going to get deceived into thinking that what they do is good and fine and right, and and the Bible really doesn't mean that. The Bible really doesn't mean we have to live that way. The Bible really doesn't mean that we should be that kind of person. I mean, there's a deception that is going to happen in the last days, and all of us have seen it. In the last 10 years of my life, the world has changed so much. Evil has, has become normal. I'll talk more about that as I have time. But that word deceives jumps out. There'll be wars, rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. What that means by kingdom against kingdom is within the same nation, there will be factions fighting against each other. Within the same nation. We kind of expect that when it comes to Iraq and Iran and, and the Shiites and the these and the those and the, you know, nation, parts of the nation fighting against each other. But even here in America, we now find kingdom against kingdom. Famines, earthquakes, various oddities of nature happening. Then it says Christians will be persecuted and put to death. There's more martyrs today around the world than there's ever been. And America so far hasn't had a lot of that sort of thing, but we're, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. If you're standing up in the middle of a protest and you say the wrong thing, you might be martyred for Christ. We've seen it on our news in the last month. And then it says, hated by all nations. <clears throat> America used to not be hated by the world. But the world has gotten so, hate, uh, so against goodness and godliness, and America has stood for Christianity, that now all across the Middle East, we are hated by countries that have no reason to hate us. We've never done anything wrong. We've never done anything to them, but we are hated because we are Christians. And if they got here, they'd find out that we're not all Christians. But hate, hatred, says here. And then it says, uh, the increase of wickedness, verse 12. Increase of wickedness. Immorality has gone upside down in the last 10 years. If you actually start to think about immorality, that would include adultery. That would include fornication, which means having sexual activity and you're not married. It would include... Um, uh, homosexuality, it would include uh, incest, having sex with your own child, uh, underage sex, having having sex with somebody young, you know, young, uh, uh, polygamy, prostitution. There's like there's like nine of these things. Well, looking back in the last ten years ago, one by one they get they get ticked off, one by one. Now, now on the TV, if you're having adultery with lots of people, you're considered quite prime. You can have a TV show about it. It's okay. Uh, having sex before you're married, that's almost normal. 
having sex with lots of people. That's almost normal. Already in this election cycle, there was one senator proposing legalizing prostitution. Put the women back to work. Look at all the tax revenue we'll get. And then last week, someone made a proposal that we lower the age of, of, of having sex with an underage child. Right now, it's 18. They want to lower it down to 15, so it's okay for a 30-year-old to have sex with a 16-year-old. Every one of our, these standards is being picked off one by one by one. So here in this last days, and I'm not going to spend any more time on it, we can see we're in the last days. What we don't know is how much we got left. But here's why I brought you here, and this is why I brought it up. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most Christians is going to grow cold. Now, isn't that a scary thought? Now, the word the young lady read this morning, that God would give guidance to those who have gone astray, that God would pull back Christians who have turned. What a word that was because that's where I'm at that right now we the love of so many Christians is growing colder and cold which means they're walking farther and farther away from their walk with Christ then the next verse says but he who stands firm to the end will be saved and then it says verse 14 and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations. So in the middle of the last days, God still wants us to reach the world. He doesn't want us to put our heads down. He doesn't want us to, to, to hunker in. He doesn't want us to, 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 to put all our resources into me, into us. And he's saying even during this time, God wants us to help reach the world. Because we don't know if the last days have, have six weeks left six years left or 30 years left it talks a lot sometimes about the next this last generation we just don't know when that starts i can say it's at least started by now because we're in the last days so this generation it might be 30 years that we got this is the last generation these kids growing up these teenagers growing up or it might you might be the last generation and we've only got eight years left three years left two years left i don't know what the scripture is saying is in the middle of all this muck, God still wants the nations to be reached. Now, he emphasizes this this way. I was reading this passage, and I realized that by the time he got done with chapter 24, Jesus was still speaking. In other words, it doesn't say, the next day Jesus said this. Okay, that's when you can tell one sermon ends and the next sermon starts. So when you look at chapter 24, it's, it goes right into chapter 25. Jesus is still talking. It's kind of like Pastor Tom's giving a sermon, only it didn't end at 30 minutes. This is one of them 90-minute boy things, you know? I mean, he's, he's really fired up today. Some of you know, never mind. Okay, but anyway, you know what I'm second about. So he starts off chapter 25 by saying that that whole parable about the virgins and being ready. His whole point is be ready. Don't, don't turn your back now. Don't, don't slip away now. He's talking about the ones who grow cold. Remember that was his statement? 
a few, uh, you know, like 20 minutes earlier, he said Christians are going to grow cold. And now he says Christians are going to let their lamps run out. You see what he's doing? He's just, he's saying the same message. Now he's using an object lesson. The ones who stand firm to the end are the ones who have plenty of oil. So that's, that he's going on. But his sermon doesn't end there. He's got one more point. In conclusion is how much, he goes to verse 14. Again, it will be a going, like a man going on a journey. When he says the word again, it's almost like saying in conclusion. Or let me say one more thing before I'm done. And, he's, and he gives the parable of the man who had five gold, gave five talents to one person and two talents and one talent. And as we go on, he gets to the point where he says to the one who did right, someday you're going to hear God say, well done. That's been one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. It's like I've lived my life hoping that someday I would get to hear God say, David, well done. If I hear that from God, all of it's going to be worth it, okay? I don't want him to say, hey, David, pretty good job. Now, that, that's, that's not what I'm shooting for. I want to hear, David, well done, okay? My whole life, I've, I've, this has been one of my favorite passages. I don't really care if I'm the five-talent dude or the two-talent dude or the one-talent dude, Okay? Now, I've been in children's ministries my whole life, so I was pretty sure I wasn't the five-talent dude okay? because I, I've preached in, in a lot of, 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 of boiler rooms, okay? and I've been in lots of, of basements and, and uh, that sort of thing. And when I needed a new sound system, they got a new one in the sanctuary. They gave it to the youth department. The youth department gave me theirs and put it down to the children's wing, okay? That's how we got a new sound system. Big old board, 16 channels, and they showed me the four that worked, okay? But I got a new sound system. I was thrilled, you know? That's how children's ministries is all about. So I'm pretty sure I'm not the five guy, okay? But it doesn't matter. It's like I just wanted God to say, well done. But what I didn't know is that Jesus put this parable connected with the last days. Right now, God is handing people five talents, two talents, and one talent. And he's saying, in the last days, the world still needs to be reached. And some of you, talent is really, think of it as this, time, talent, and resource. Time is are you going to use your time for God? Is there something you can do to help this pastor reach this city? It, it doesn't mean, hey, I used to do this. It's somebody else's turn. That has nothing to do with this passage. This passage is saying in the last days when Christians are turning away from God, he's given each of us time, talent, and resource. And your time is, what can I do for God? And there's no place in Scripture I know of that you can buy off your time. Hey, I gave a great offering, so therefore I can sit back. doesn't say that. Talent is what your abilities are. And you all have different abilities. And for me, I, I'm, I'm a, I, I really like bus drivers, I'm just telling you. <laughs> Because I was reached because of bus drivers. 
And I bring greetings from the Roths. They go to my church that I attend in Springfield, Missouri. And he was one of my bus drivers. But you know, um, but you know she, uh, she had to go home after church without him. Did you know that? She didn't get to go out to Perkins after church. Her husband was taking kids home on the bus. And when he got all done, he had to drive back to church, park the bus, put it away, get in his car. So it's, it's not easy on the woman either when the man is sometimes doing something. There's women who say, I wish you wouldn't be a board member. Why? Well, you know, I'm losing out on the... It's a sacrifice no matter what you're doing. So your talent and how it can be used for God. And he's so creative. He's so creative. He might want you as a farmer to plant a field and grow the crops knowing that those crops, whatever they are, that's going to God to feed the poor. It's your talent. And, of course, your funds. There's people who can give five talent offerings and some who can give two talent offerings and some who give one talent offering. And, you know, God's not really worried about how big. He's worried about how big the sacrifice, how big you obeyed. Because he didn't say anything to the two-talent person that was different than the five-talent person. He said, well done to the two-talent person because they had done what God asked them to do. That's our God, and that's how amazing he is. And he's a good God. So as I read that passage, I was again reminded that God said in the last days, he wants the world to be reached. And in the last days, he's going to ask each of us to continue to do our part. Whether there's a week left, a year left, or 10 years left, we don't know how long this world's going to last. I never thought it would change this much in this short of a time. And it's even changed just in the, in the COVID season. It's changed. Suddenly, um, money is thought of as it could carry a disease. So it's shifting over to a, a, a cashless society. And about a week ago, they said they've come up with new technology. You can wave your palm over a, over a scanner, and it will read your palm, and you can pay your bills. How close is that to turn your hand over and there's a chip in your palm to read and pay your bills? How close is America coming to what the Bible describes as the last days? And yet God has given us a task and a purpose. And our goal is to raise up in our kids and our teenagers a faith that's strong enough to last. And I want to thank you for for investing in me. I know most of you weren't here. I won't say that it was 40 years ago or you'll think I'm old, but um, <laughs> some of you were. Some of them are still around. They invested in my life. And I don't know if God has a great Amway program and Mr. Hofer back there gets 2% of all the souls that I had because he, you know, I don't know how all of that works, you know. I know Polly, he was my brother's Sunday school teacher, so I don't know if he gets 4% of, of Fedge's souls that he wins in his lifetime. I don't know how all that works, how it all stacks up. But what I do know is when you give to God, it, it pays a dividend. And we have a great God and we have an awesome God, 
and he's challenging each of you to ask. He's asking you, what will you do with your resources, your time, your talent, your funds in these last days so that the world can be reached? Bow your heads and close your eyes a moment, would you please? I don't know who's watching from on the TV. I don't know anyone around who's or who, you know, on an iPad or where you are. And I don't know the ones in this room where they sit. But what I can tell you is that we have a God who is so awesome and he knows everything about your life and he wants your life to be good. He wants your life to be to be righteous and he wants you to be blessed. And you may have made mistakes. He washes that away. Earlier this week, I was showing the kids in one of the kids' church how God washes our sins away. Like whiter than snow, the Bible says. And you know what it's like when there's a brand new snow and you look outside and it's white. There's not even footsteps. It's white. That's how much God wipes your sin away when you say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. It's all it takes. Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Now, the Bible says repent and turn. So when you accept Christ, there's going to be things that you're going to have to turn away from in order to live for God. And he put it in the word of God. Any questions you have, they're in the word of God. It's very clear how God wants you to live your life. And you just ask him, you say, Jesus, forgive me. So right now, if that's you watching me or here in this service, just say those words, Jesus, forgive me. I'm sorry. I want to live for you. And when you say those words to him, you're now a Christian. That's how quick it happens. You're now a Christian. And I remember when I was a kid and I accepted Christ. The weight, I didn't have a lot of weight. I was just a kid. But it is so wonderful to live a life knowing that God is ahead of you fixing things, taking care of things. That doesn't mean difficulties don't happen. They do. But he's there. Jesus, I pray right now for any person who's just asked you to be their savior, that you'd help them to contact this church so the pastor can come and send someone to talk to them and encourage them. If they're here, I ask that they would, they would tell the pastor, hey, I, I accepted Jesus today, so he knows how to encourage them and help them, help them as they live their lives. And Lord, for the Christians that are hearing my voice, that are here today, Lord, I ask that they would say yes when you ask them an assignment, whether it's something they're to do or something they're to give, I, has, I hope that they would say, yes, you can count on me. Because someday we all want to hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In your name I pray. Amen. Pastor, would you come? Thanks. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, David. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you're watching online, you can give, I did forget to mention this, you can give to BGMC uh, through the Church Center app or by texting 
the amount, and then BGMC, if you just uh, enter that into the text field, um, dollar sign amount, and then BGMC, you can give to BGMC that way. Today's also, ironically, our Global Partner Sunday, so the offering for our global partners around the world. Um, you can give in that basket. Uh, if you're here, you can give in the baskets as you leave today. Uh, if you're online, you can give that way as well. And as we were closing, the I was thinking of Hebrews 11. I mean, we talked so much about um, so many people that have been a part of this church, so many people that have gone on from this church. And uh, as we were thinking about, um, as you were even just joking about the Amway program, I've often wondered, how does God do that? Because, you know, I, I know that Hebrews 11, and this is the verse I want to share, he, he lists all these great men and women of faith that did all these amazing things and that chapter ends with, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them had received what is promised since God planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. And there's an us factor that we sometimes don't understand, and you may not have been part of this church for very long, but once you become an us, I think there's a credit that goes Back to the, I mean, God knows the end from the beginning and he knows how to credit it because we become us. And so there's something to that that uh, is so profound and so powerful, but don't, don't be satisfied with what we did yesterday. There's a kingdom to be built outside these doors that circles the globe and comes back to this building. And so there's still work to be done, amen? Amen. Let's stand together. I just want to pray over you a blessing, and then we'll dismiss. And so, Father, thank you for just the opportunity to be together today, God, to worship you, to be challenged together from your word, God, to be reminded that you have called us to build your kingdom here on this earth. And God, I pray that as we go about this week, that you would help us everywhere we go, God, to use every moment to build your kingdom. God, whether we're in our office, whether we're on the, the playground, wherever we are this week, God, that we would be about building your kingdom. God, I pray as we give in this offering today, God, that you would use it to continue to take that message of salvation, that message of hope, that message of transformation and restoration around the world. God, continue to build your kingdom, we pray. Now, God, over this body today, I pray your blessing. God, I ask that you would bless them and keep them. I ask that you would cause your face to shine on them, that you'd lift up your countenance upon them, that you would give them peace, and above all, God, that you would be gracious to them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, thanks for being here. Our hosts are going to come for those of you in the room. We dismiss from back to front and just ask that you save your visiting for outside to help distance each other a little bit better. And the offering baskets are there. You can give as you exit today. Thanks for coming.